Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Natural Co-Creator Show with Jennifer Lynch and tonight I will be talking to Katie about her book The Living Stone and her work in the theatre. I'm very pleased to be interviewing Katie who's a very talented lady, she's a writer, she's an artist as well as um, taking part in local amateur dramatics. So good evening Katie, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Hello, Jennifer. Hello. So, um, I think we're going to just start right off, and um, I'd love to ask you about your novel, The Living Stone. And you're also a crystal healer, aren't you, Katie? I am. I've been a crystal healer for, uh, I would say, most of my life, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I started out loving stones as a child, and it sort of developed from there, really. Okay. And uh, most of my... Mm-hmm. Please carry on, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, yes, and so I've worked holistically for many years, and uh, crystal healing has been part of that, along with reflexology and other um, holistic therapies. Mm. And, and what was, uh, have done teaching. Here? Sorry. Well, was that your main inspiration for the book? I mean, what inspired you to write the book? Was it the therapies? It, was it the crystals? Well, it was, but actually I had a list when I was about 12 years old of things I wanted to do. And one of those things on the list was to write a book. And um, <clears throat> one day I was, um, I used to travel to London quite a lot on a train. I love trains. And um, I had the the inspiration. It was to do work with crystals, actually. I was on, on the train to go to London. And um, I had this this uh, storyline come into my head. And um, it developed from there, really. Um, and then I was working in a, in, in a job. I had a job for a few years, working in the real world, so to speak, <clears throat> and uh, lost it one day. Um, they said, oh, we don't want you anymore, thank you. And um, I thought, well, I can either curl up and, and um, be sorry for myself or I can um, get stuck into really writing this book, which is what I did. And um, uh, that's how The Living Stone was uh, created, really. Okay, fantastic. And who is the book aimed at? What sort of people would read well, your book? It's it's really written for young people, but I think it's young at heart, really, because any age group could read it. Um, there are some things in there for for every generation. I mean, there's a love story 
um, of of every generation, from young teenagers to the very old. Um, there's there's a a couple that are very old. In fact, uh, she dies, and um, it, it shows the love story between those two and and then the the young love and then there's love in between so um it's a bit of a love story as well so it can it can it can reach all all generations i think okay so 16 to 60 plus really yes i think think from 12 from from 12 onwards really right wow that's terrific isn't it okay and so, did it take you a long time to write this book? <laughs> yes. Um, like everything in life, things hold you up and come along and and uh, stop you from trying to do the things you want to do. Um, I would say from start to finish, probably 10 years. Wow. That is a long time. It's a long time, isn't it? But also, um, also because you're evolving and changing, then I suppose, you know, that that's probably a good thing for the book, wasn't it? Hmm. The, funny enough, the the writing of the book didn't take as as long as I think the, the going over and over and over it again, um, and sometimes the characters evolved differently. Um, there were ch- changes along the way, so I'd rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it and, uh, until it was exactly how I wanted it. Okay, that's fabulous. So what do you think would, um, if if I was through your book, and I have oh, and I think it's brilliant, but I mean, what, what do you think people will um, relate to in it? Hmm, it's a good question. Um, now, is there anything that somebody would get excited about in the book and think, well, you know, I have to find out about that person? You know, I mean, say well, me, for instance, who would I like in the book, do you think? Well, I, I, there's six main characters, really. And I think the the, the main character... If you'd like to say the the, the lead, as as, as the theatre people would say, um, mm. would be Innes, and she's a fifteen, sixteen year old girl, and she has she's the queen. She becomes the queen of Lismore, mm. but as she becomes the queen of Lismore, she's also becomes the keeper of the stone, of the living stone, and her job is to sing to the living stone to give it its its energy and its its nurture and its food to, which allows it to then in turn give its healing to the people who come for its help um what happens is the stone gets stolen and so therefore the adventure begins and they have to go and find the stone and get it back what they don't realize immediately is that inner has her strength from the stone and when they're apart her energy starts to deplete and she begins she's dying 
And so without mm. each other, they're both dying. So it is a race against time to get them both together again. So mm. within the, the journey of the book, they have, they have encounters and they meet certain people and, and have certain little adventures. And so in that sense, it appeals to the youngsters. But then there are certain lessons in there and um, uh, mm. h- how we deal with relationships and how we deal with problems and so forth, but without it being too much of a schoolroom situation. Yeah. I liked Inner very much. I thought in the beginning, uh, it's sort of like her innocence. She sort of, to me, she had a, a mixture of innocence and wisdom. And uh, I liked her, you know. <laughs> but I liked the whole story. I liked the way they problem solved together all sorts of things within the book, I think. And it's also very magical. It's got excitement in it. It's got a lot going on in it. Um, well, and I thought the pages I, I, came alive, to be honest. But, Katie, I thought br- it was brilliant. Thank you. I, I, I like the um, Callum who comes and uh, uh, is one of the main characters who helps, helps. he's a, a transporter, he's able to transport anything himself and, and also the group from any place and to any time. And um, he is quite bolshy and um, he feels that he should be the leader of everything and he is the one who makes the decisions. And he, he he learns a little bit of humility along the way because um, he doesn't always know his best. And um, and inner in her small innocence and her, her gentleness um, shows him a different way sometimes, mm. um, which is quite interesting. And and uh, Zelda, who is completely nutty, really, um, she's a, the, she becomes inner's guardian after the death of her grandmother. Um, and uh, she's quite feisty. Uh, so they've all got different characters, and it, it's um, you can warm to all of them, really. Mm, definitely. Okay, so I'm going to first of all ask you, um, I've got here that your book's available on Amazon, isn't it? Amazon.co.uk and Amazon.com? It is, yes. And people can um, get that quite easily, can't they? Buy that quite easily. Um, yes, they Which can. is fantastic, mm-hmm. yeah. And they can also find you on Facebook, can they? Yes, yes, I'm to... on Facebook. Yeah, and you're on Facebook under Katie LeMay, or? I am. Yeah, so people could get in touch with you if they wanted to know a little bit more about the book which is really brilliant I also was wondering about um, asking you about your amateur dramatics and um, you're very busy with that aren't you Katie I am too busy sometimes it's like a full time job Um, because I'm supposed to be retired now not that that's a reality um, I, I do I'm at the present time uh, uh, for my sins uh, chairperson for our local Amdram and we do uh, three shows a year which keeps us very very busy we've just finished Panto 
Um, and we do a musical and usually either straight play or, or a um, comedy. And um, because we ch- we have to charge people um, quite a considerable amount of money in order to come and see us, we have to be, um, although we're not professional, we have to put as, as professional pre- performances on as we possibly can. So... Mm, we worked fantastic. very hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how did you get into the amateur dramatics in the first place? How did that happen? Oh, <clears throat> well, I, I have always sang all my life. Um, I can't ever remember not singing. Um, and I danced a lot um, as I was growing up. And um, I, I, I seem seemed to have always been acting so um when i moved into this area i was raised here in east anglia in suffolk and when i returned because i spent many years abroad uh, when i came back um i joined the local and dram and i've been with it now for 26 or 27 years now i think wow I feel like a family. Done. It is. Uh, we are, and and uh, and I love it because of it. Because there have been many of us, and in fact, I met my husband through this society. And many, there's been many marriages, and we've we've seen children born into into the society and grown up, and are now performing. Um, it, it's just lovely. I really like the fact that everybody is uh, is a close community. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're actually directing a show yourself, aren't you, next year? What's that one I about? I am. It's not it's at Made in Dagnum. It's it's not my first time. I I have directed uh, quite a few before. Um it's a bit naughty in the language department. Uh, lots mm-hmm. of naughty words, but um it's based on a true story about for Dagnum, about when the ladies went on out on strike for equal pay and then won in the late 60s when Harold Wilson was Prime Minister. Right. Um, the music's really, really good. Um, the characters are strong. Um, sim- very similar to Match Girls, if, if anybody is familiar with Match Girls, um, a similar storyline, but uh, a more up-to-date one. Um, and I think it's going to be a really good show. So I'm looking forward to doing it. We're auditioning in January. Right. Okay, that's fantastic. Okay, so what we can do for five minutes is we're going to have a track, and then I'm going to come back and ask, you a little bit more about your painting if that's okay with you and I'm going to play Willow by Lucinda Drayton
Okay, that was the fabulous uh, Lucinda Drayton, who's also known as Bliss. Some of you might have heard her beautiful music when she sings about angels. And I'm with Katie May talking about the Living Stone and her work with the Stone Markets and Operatic Dramatic Society. And recently, because because I have to say Katie is a friend of mine, um, and I've noticed that she's a very talented artist as well. And so I want to ask you a little bit about that, Katie, if that's okay. What made you mm-hmm. get into art? Have you always been painting? What sort of things do you paint? And, you know. But, well, <clears throat> I've always, I can't remember not painting. I mean, when I was a child, um, the, the two things that um, I can remember wanting at Christmas was um, books and um, paints, um, you know, even as a small person. And um, through the years, uh, I would paint on and off. Um, again, things get in the way, don't they? And they, you have to put these things aside for a while. But um, when I was younger, I used to do a lot of portraits to make a little bit of money on the side. Um, and then through the years, I would pick up the paintbrush and paint. Um, a lot of times just portraits, but copying things. You know, I'd see something, I would copy that. And, but there was always something inside me that wanted to do, um, I felt, be the real artist. I was never quite a real artist. Um, I could make a pretty good copy of things, but it was n- never original, should I say. And I wanted to be do something original. And then a couple of years ago, um, it, it was quite obviously sad. Um, I lost my mum. And, um, and then uh, she had said to me, um, not long before she died, actually, that I really should get back to doing some painting. And when I lost her, it was a, it was a big, big loss for me. Um, mm-hmm. And for my healing... Um, uh, because I'm not a crier and I'm not one to go around talking about it too much. For my healing, it, it was I turned to painting and become completely obsessed with it, really. Um, but in a different mode, in a different way, and uh, started experimenting and and doing things that I've never done before, and. I don't know if other people are going to like it. I know my daughter is insisting that I start selling some stuff. Um, uh, and um, I am now taking action to have some, you know, go into exhibitions and so forth. But um, I absolutely love what I do. I work with mixed media now. Um, and it's a lot of uh, abstracting work. Um although I still keep going back to the portraits every now and again, but um, I just love to see the paint flow and colours and and just see where it all goes to, really. Okay, that's great. So what, what would you describe as mixed media? What's that? For somebody who well, doesn't know that much, you know? Right, well, some, sometimes I work with, um, on, on the canvas, I might have... Uh, something like I work with a lot of PVA glue <laughs> but I might mm-hmm. have um, 
napkins. If I see a pretty oh. napkin, that might get ripped up and put on there. String, um, spray paint, um, acrylic, work with a lot of acrylic. Um, there's a Peeblo paints, uh, which, is, which is quite a thick type paint. Uh, that might get sprayed on there. Um, depending on what type of painting I'm doing at the time, so, some paintings that get um, lots of bits and pieces on them, uh, they may have uh, pictures that you'll recognise. Um, others may not. They'll just be patterns and, and shapes and things, um, and it will just be a flow of, uh, of, of paint. Um, I might mix up a lot of paints on one painting, and then just pour it, pour mm. it um, from, a, from a height or put them in cups and then just sort of rotate them and see how the patterns go. And then there's these wonderful bubbles that come up and make these beautiful, just just beautiful shapes and colours, really, mm. which is very nice. Mm. It's wonderful. And I want to ask you also, this is going back a little bit to the book now, um, well, talking about crystals, do you have any favourite crystals, Katie? I do. Well, <clears throat> that's a, that, again, that's an interesting and difficult question. Um, <laughs> if I said you of your favourite crystals, like which ones would you not? be without are there a couple of crystals that you think oh, I've, I've got to have these these are really good energy to have around me or have around in the house oh uh-uh, well <laughs> the, the, the crystal you had that that's two different questions there oh, so i have my right. favorite and then i have <laughs> i have my crystals that i wouldn't be with wouldn't be without um okay. I, I always have that's... quartz you always, always have quartz, quartz. Right. um always have amethyst amethyst mm-hmm. and i always have rose quartz right um my, one of my favorite stones of all time is labradorite yeah that's wonderful um, and what I, color is that one what color well, is that it, well it can have, be like a peacock blue um it can have greens in it like little bits of yellow in it um it, it's just it, <sighs> beautiful it can look gray when you hold it then you mm. sort of sh- move it around and then you see these most gorgeous colors mm. and amethyst amethyst i can actually say i can't speak amethyst there's a it's right. um, it's it, and it's very similar but it has the red colors and then it can have green and yellow i, I tend to like stones that have really lovely colors in them Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I wouldn't necessarily use those for healing. Mm. Uh, they right. wouldn't necessarily be stones that I would use when I'm, you know, working with somebody. Um, but so there's the difference. Okay, and can people contact you for treatments if they're interested in coming to see you for crystal healing? They, they can. I don't do too many these days. As I say, I'm supposed to be retired, but um, <clears throat> I do still have clients and I still see see new clients, but um, I try not to take on too many. Mm. You seem very busy with your painting and your amateur dramatics and being a writer. 
Are we going to see a, a second book, do you think, soon? Uh, the, I don't know is the answer to that. <laughs> um, Are you planning on writing <laughs> another book? Do you want to write another book? Well, I do, but <clears throat> it... Um, and I feel that there might be one on the way, but I, I wouldn't want to commit at this point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, it's not hardly surprising with all the wonderful work you do. And I've really enjoyed you having on the show, Katie. It's absolutely fantastic. Thank you very well, thank much you. for being my guest. Yeah. Thank you very much for being my guest on the Natural Go Creator Show. I've got your link to your book here, and I've also got the link to the Stone Market Operatic. Um, uh, it says operatic.org.uk and about your future production, which I'm definitely going to go and see made in Dagenham. So thank you very much indeed. Right. Well, thank you for having me, Jennifer. Thank you. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. And I'm now going to play... Who Would Imagine a King by Lucinda Drayton. This is a very Christmas song for you.
This poem is called A Cold Winter's Day. It's a cold winter's day outside. She sits and sips a dry white wine and tries not to reminisce on what she's left right behind for what's behind her mind drifts is but a memory, see. But that's another story, so let it be, gee. Let her keep a little pride and a little dignity and try not to even mention it in this rhyme. Okay, I'll be discreet. Let's focus on the present. Now is the time, and the place is right here. I won't bore you with location because I know you won't care, but it's a little-known bar, on a little-known street, around the corner from the station where she's waiting to meet. Ah, there I go again. I'm giving away too much detail. But her train arrives in an hour and she's been biting her nails. This time she won't fail. This time she'll succeed. Another sip of dry white wine will give her the courage that she needs. The bar is starting to fill up. And an atmosphere builds up. Each time the door opens she feels her skin chill up. Is that him? Is he finally here? We don't have much time and her agitation is clear. But it's not him. (sighs) She sighs. So far he hasn't arrived, for the man who just entered bears a stranger's guise. She dulls the pain with wine to rearrange her mind to kill the feelings inside that dangerously chime. As she pines, why isn't he here? Several thoughts now appear, along with the promises of love so romantically near. Along with the vows and dreams lost, they planned it so clear. Finally it comes to this, her last sip to dampen her last fear. It's twenty minutes until her train departs. Her bags are all packed and heavy, ready for the new start. She leaves the bar and embarks towards the train station. The confidence she imparts is ready to meet him if he's waiting. She's hesitating. What would her mother say? For it's a big decision she plans on this cold winter's day. Mums will have to understand she didn't mean it this way, but once burning fires have been fanned, you can't keep the heat at bay. Ten minutes. She wants another drink. He still isn't here. Did he ever really love her, she thinks, as her eyes display tears? Were all those years are wasted, emotions misplaced, promises broken and false hopes being chased? Five minutes. She starts to cry. She boards the train, but in her heart her last stop has already arrived. But she can't go back. Go back to what? Back to the pain and the hate, the shame and the rot. That's when he crosses her mind with his warm loving smile. He said that their love was so strong as they walked down the aisle. So strong that he'd mistreat her and beat her until she miscarried her child. So strong that he'd take her and debase her, leaving her feeling defiled. So strong that he'd break her heart over and over a 15-year trial. But on this cold winter's day, she's escaped him. And she's finally free to break the denial. Okay, that was a fantastic Mr. G, A Cold Winter's Day. Uh, quite a moving piece of poetry that but also a reminder especially this time of year that some people are on their own and you know that we should try our best to think about other people so um, I'm just going to basically talk about what's going to be happening in January Um, this is our last show that we're going to have our last natural co-creator show that we're going to have for this year 2017 but we will be having more shows next year so if you're interested in being my guest 
if you have a creative talent or you want to promote a book if you're an artist writer singer um, a natural co-creator please me you can contact me on facebook through the natural co-creators radio page or join our community i've got a great little community going there now where we are joining in a group to share our well share our wisdom really share our gifts share our um creativity and also there'll be online um workshops from there as well via skype uh, so please join the Natural Co-Creators community and take a look at the radio show page on Facebook as well. And so, yes, in January, I'm interviewing Kezia Osborne, who is an artist. Um, she's a very creative person as well. She puts on workshops, all sorts of things. She lives in Essex near Colchester Way. And she's going to be my first show back the first January. So uh, don't forget to listen to us then because you'll, you know, find out about some great things that are happening in January. Okay, so I'm just going to finish this show with a bit of a classic, but totally different style here. Have yourself a merry little Christmas by Lucinda Drayton and I absolutely love this I'm just going to play that for you to play us out
The fates align. 